Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redemption Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Gary Alloway. All right, so like we said earlier, tonight we start a new sermon series called What Did Jesus Teach About? And each month we're going to look at different topics. And this month, since it's the beginning of the year, uh, time we often are thinking about these things, we're going to talk about money. And money is actually a topic that Jesus talked about a lot. Uh, it's one of the topics he talked about most. So we're not. this is not going to be a comprehensive series. It's more as a kind of series of quick takes that we're going to have different points of view and different passages of what Jesus teaches on money. And uh, tonight we're going to start out with one of my favorites, the parable of the rich fool. So uh, before we dive in, I want to tell you a little bit about my story with money. So when I was in my 20s, I was very happy-go-lucky with money. And I would say that I lived very simply. Um, I tried to live below my means and avoided debt like the plague. And I had very little, but I had what I needed. And uh, God had a tremendous way of providing what I needed in the midst of that. And I tended not to worry too much about money. And then um, I met Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. <laughs> and and uh, she spent all my money. Nope, I found out she had a massive heap of student loans. <laughs> a big old heap of student loans. And I kind of treated it like I always did. It will work out and God will provide. And I'm sure we can figure it out. And then we got married back in 2012. And a couple months in, I sat down to do our budget. And I said, I'm not sure we can afford our student loan payments. This is going to be a problem. And then a week later, Susan came to me and said she was pregnant. With me. Yep, with Augie. <laughs> so not only did we have to buy baby stuff, we had to kick out a roommate. Uh, so we lost rental income. And then we had to drop a day of work so we could do childcare. And then that winter, we had like the coldest winter in 50 years. And our oil bills went up to $500 to $600 a month. And we were rapidly approaching being broke. And things were looking kind of bleak. And then I would say that God really showed up. And out of nowhere, my grandmother sent us a check for $500 with no explanation on it. And we got a refund from our mortgage for $600 that had no explanation on it. And Krista, if Krista's watching, I just see the, uh, the token picture there. Organized a Christmas offering for us, which was a few hundred bucks, and we kind of got things straightened out and kind of got things back on track and got out of crisis mode. And if I had more faith, I probably would have gone back to being happy-go-lucky in my attitudes towards money and gone back to more open-handedness and generosity of faith. I was happy we were out of crisis mode, but we still had this huge heap of debt in front of us, and I started to fall into a serious case of the once wheeze. Do you guys know what the once we's are? The once we's. Once we pay down these loans, then we can go back to being generous. Once we get these kids out of diapers, then we can get back to knowing our neighbors. Once we get the kids through preschool, then we'll have a little bit more freedom to care for people again. Once the kids are a little bit more independent, then we can be rich towards God. You guys know about the once we's? 
None of you guys ever do the one squeeze, right? Nobody? Just me? We probably all have our own versions of this, right? Once I finish school, then I'll make sure to enjoy my life. Once the kids are grown up, then I'll invest in other people. Once we have a retirement plan set, then we will be generous. Once life calms down, I'll have more space for hospitality. Once I'm married, I'll be secure enough to commit to others. Once I'm in my 30s, I'll stop being so immature. Once I'm in my 40s, then I'll get serious about my faith. Once I'm in my 50s, I'll really have something to offer to others. Once I'm in my 60s, my time will open up. Once I'm in my 70s, I'll be retired and truly enjoy myself. And then as Jesus says, you reach the day of your death and you never actually lived. What is it for you? What's your once we's? What's your once eyes? What are the preconditions that you have for proper living that you've not yet achieved? How are you playing the once we game? Now, Jesus tells a story about the one squeeze, and we already heard it once, but it's short, so I'm going to read it again, so it kind of sticks to us a little bit, just the second part. Luke 12, 16 to 21. And then Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So, the parable of the rich fool. Things this passage does not say. Savings accounts are bad. It does not, it's not teaching us that, right? It's not saying that you shouldn't have a retirement plan, and it's not opposed to long-term planning. Some of us need to be way better at that stuff, right? Well, what it does say is don't put off living. Don't put off living for God. For one thing, in my experience, if you're playing the once-we game, first of all, there will always be a next once-we it's one of the problems with the next, the, the once we goals, right? It's like you think you're going to, once you get there, then it seems like it will be easy. Then, you know, once we pay off the student loans, then we'll be generous. But then you pay off the student loans, and of course, there's childcare bills, and then you need a new car, and then your kid needs braces, and then there's college savings, and then retirement, and then you die. <laughs> and I don't mean to be bleak, but Jesus is bleak here, right? That's kind of what he said. That's the exact point of this story. So if you want to be generous... You just have to be generous. Which seems obvious, but it's not usually how we live. But that's kind of what Jesus is saying. There won't come a day when it naturally happens, right? There won't come a magical season where it's like super easy to become a generous person. And that's what we always tell ourselves, right? We always say like, once I get there, then I'll truly be the person I'm supposed to be. Then I'll be generous. Then I'll be rich towards God. Then I'll do the things that God has called me to. What this passage reminds us of is that there's no magical season. You kind of just have to do it. 
fact, I would argue that if you have very little, this is the time to learn to be generous, specifically around money. Um, I actually think that giving away $5 when you only have $50 is not so hard. But when you make $5,000, or when you make $50,000, giving away $5,000 is actually way harder. So I actually think, like, if you're in a season of uh, where you don't have very much, it's actually a great time to start being generous, not waiting until you have more. And most people think they'll give a lot when they make a lot, but in reality, they tend to just acclimate up and find new things to worry about and never actually are rich towards God, and then they die. Like Jesus says. So if you want to be rich towards God, start today. Even if you have very little. And I think, again, that's actually the easiest place to start. The other problem with the one squeeze, right, is not only that you might grow old hoping for the next season, hoping for this magical season where everything's easy. As Jesus reminds us, tomorrow isn't guaranteed. So it's a good reminder that if at your funeral you want to be remembered as someone who is rich towards God, do it today. Because while it's unlikely, it could be tomorrow. If you want to be a person of faith, if you want to practice forgiveness and take risks with those on the margins and carry out social justice and give in radical Jesus-y ways, there'll always be a reason not to do it today. But death might come tomorrow, and you have never actually been the person you wanted to be. You will never have actually been rich towards God. And lastly, the last problem with the one we is, is you might actually reach that goal, that one we, and then have it fall apart. One of my favorite books is the book of Ecclesiastes. You guys like Ecclesiastes? Because it kind of reminds us of this, right? Of like, you can spend your whole life building a kingdom and then lose it in a day. You can spend your whole life building a fortune and lose it in a day. You can spend your whole life building a reputation and have it fall apart in a day. Even through things that are not your fault at all. And so it's a good idea. This is a good reminder, right? Of like, if we're saying, once I get that degree... Once I get that PhD, right, then I'll really be able to do good stuff. But you can get the PhD and then get dementia. You can make a million dollars and then get cancer. You can become world famous and then die. One of my heroes was Joe Paterno, who spent 50 years building a stellar reputation and then saw it all disappear in a few short weeks. And it's made me aware, right, that, like, I've spent 13 years building redemption, but tomorrow some scandal could come that might not even be my fault and take the whole thing away. And while that can be a depressing thought, it can actually be a really freeing thought because what it teaches us is you better enjoy the day. You better enjoy the things that are right in front of you and enjoy the work that's been given to you and enjoy the people that God has given to you. Enjoy the things that you have. They aren't perfect and they never will be, but this doesn't mean you can't take joy in them. Again, I could spend 20 years building this church to exactly what I want it to be, only to have it disappear in a day. So you better enjoy the journey, right? You better enjoy the process. 
I could be the rich fool and say, I'll be happy when we have X number of people or we're more financially stable or we're more mature. But those things might never happen or they might just lead to new once we goals or we get there and some scandal comes and tears the whole thing apart. So be grateful for the day. Be grateful for the journey. Be grateful and invest in what's right in front of you. Don't just enjoy your education for the degree that comes at the end, right? Actually enjoy the education you get along the way. Don't put off enjoying your house till the day you get it perfectly fixed up because it might never get there or you might actually get there and as depressing as this passage is, a tornado could come the next day and rip it apart. Be grateful that you have it. Use it well and enjoy fixing it up along the way. Don't put off joy for the end product because it might never come. Or it will come and you'll find another once we, or it will come and then disappear. Find the joy in the process. Find the joy in today. After all, the days don't come back. So how are you putting off joy for some far off day or some far off goal? And what would it look like to invest and enjoy the things that are right in front of you today? The second antidote for the one squeeze is one of the most important things someone ever said to me. Gear is meant to be used. When I was 17, I went on a canoeing and backpacking trip in Canada and I brought a brand new coat with me. And it was a really nice coat and I really liked the coat. And I remember on day three getting kind of upset because I got mud on my new coat. And the leader of our trip, I still remember this, he said to me, and I'll never forget it, Gear is meant to be used. Gear is meant to be used. Coats aren't meant to be saved and kept pristine, right? They're meant to be used, especially for cool adventures like backpacking trips. And houses are meant to be lived in, and cars are meant to be driven, and food is meant to be enjoyed and celebrated as a gift. Money doesn't exist to be saved, right? Money's actually meaningless as a number. Money exists to be used, to bless your life and the lives of those around you. And this is why money exists, not to have more money. The goal in life isn't to have more stuff, because stuff on itself, by itself is useless. Stuff is only useful if you use it. And Jesus tells us to use it for good things. Gear is meant to be used. I always remember my friend Nick, uh, when his grandfather was dying, he said this funny thing. One of the funny things he said was, I should have gotten the cable. And that always stuck with me, right? He'd spent his whole life being thrifty and saving money, and now he was going to die with a million dollars in the bank, having never gotten the cable TV. And of course, some of us need to hear the exact opposite of this, right? This passage is one of those, like, next week we probably need to preach the, like, one on, like, being super stable with your money, canceling your cable, you know, paying off your debts, that sort of thing. But tonight, for the tightwads in the crowd like me, don't die with a million dollars in the bank having never gotten the cable. I know at least some of us need to hear that one. 
get the cable, and if you want to be rich towards God with it, get a nice TV and invite people over for movie nights and for the Super Bowl. And invite people in your home that don't have a nice home and make your home a place of rest for people that need it. Welcome in strangers and outcasts and people that aren't usually invited in. And be weird, build weird, radical Christian community. Use your stuff to build the kingdom of God. Use your stuff. Be rich towards God. And remember that gear is meant to be used. And lastly, see the opportunity in every season of life. One of my pet peeves is when people tell college students, once you get into the real world, because it implies there's a time you don't live in the real world. And I've read the Bible cover to cover, and I never found the passage that says, love your enemies after you get out of college. And I've never found the passage that says, care for the poor and needy once you have a stable job. The reality is, when you're in college, you probably don't have a lot of money, right? But, and you're probably stuck on campus with a lot of people who are very similar to you. So there are things that are hard to do if that's your station in life. And you don't yet have the degree you might need for the job you want. So there are limitations to how you can live out your faith. And yet you might also have more free time than you will ever have otherwise. And you might have more close relationships with people that live in the same building as you. And you might be more open to risk than at any other time in your life because you have less to lose. And so college students can be rich towards God. And the same is true if you're a single 20-something, right? You probably don't have a lot of means or the stability that something like marriage can offer, but you have more freedom than in any other season of life. You can go where you need to go or be where you want to be. You have social space, and you can spend time with the poor, the lost, and the lonely. You can be rich towards God. And the same is true for young parents. You're tired and you're stuck at home, but you can invite people over. And heck, you can let them cook for you. You can make your home a place of community and joy. So if you're a young parent, you can be rich towards God. You guys see what I'm getting at? Every season will give you an excuse. Every season provides reasons why tomorrow we will be rich towards God. And then you get old and die. But every season comes with new opportunities. This might take some work, right? It might take some prayer. It might take some imagination. It might take us sitting with God and saying, give me eyes to see and ears to hear. Help me to see what's in front of me. Help me to see the opportunities of this season. Help me to see the people that are here. Help me to see the resources that I do have. Help me to see the opportunities that are right in front of me right now. Circumstances are real. 
I don't want to say it's just like a one size fits all thing. I think being rich towards God actually takes some imagination to figure out what you're called to in a particular season. And actually, as I was preparing this week, I kind of had some grace for myself. I think I always kicked myself that 30 something Gary wasn't more like 20 something Gary. But the reality is life changes. And the sort of generosity I lived out in my 20s probably wasn't accessible in my 30s. Where I failed was to do that new work to say, what does it look like to be rich towards God, even when you have small children, even when you have debt? Because every season provides new opportunities. So what I want you to think about is whatever season of life you're in, how have you used your circumstances as an excuse to put off happiness and to put off the things that God has called you to? And what are the opportunities that you actually have in this season? How in this season are you being called to be rich towards God? As I was thinking about this passage, it did make me think about Jesus' prayer, right? Give us this day our daily bread. And over the past few years, I've thought a lot about that. That it's a, it's a passage about provision, right? Like, God, give me what I need today. But I've also found it kind of a good check on myself because it's a prayer that also says, don't worry too much about tomorrow. So again, it's okay to plan. It's okay to have a savings account. It's okay to like implement long-term plans. We don't need to just live like magically in the day all the time. This is not the like YOLO sermon of like, You need to just be irresponsible. But I think I'm reminded of just that prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Be present in today. Don't live in tomorrow. So, I'll close with this. Here's my bad news for tonight. 2022 will stick. It will. That's the bad news for tonight. Politics will be stupid, right? COVID probably won't go away in a way we want it to. You won't have as much money as you want. Your body won't quite look how you want it to. Your car will break down. You will get sick. Something you love will fail. Your job will be imperfect. Our church will be imperfect. Your love life, wherever it is, will be imperfect. And life will give you plenty of reasons to wish the year away. But you are here. Stop for a second and realize that. If nothing else... You are here. And nothing about tomorrow is guaranteed. So I invite you to use this year well. Don't wish the days away. Enjoy the process, even if everything is in process. Use your gear rather than protect it. And be grateful for what you have. And if God has called you to certain things, 
do it this year. It won't get easier next year. Do the things that God has called you to, even now. Don't live in the once-wees. Don't live in the future. I invite you in freedom and joy to go out this year and be rich towards God. Amen? Amen. To find out more about Redemption Church, visit redemptionbristol.org.